welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by Map. My name's Alex Clemens, and I was just looking at Map's website before. They've got some uh, some new designs on their website, especially around a couple of cool colours on their jerseys. If you do want to check out their cycling reins, or you do need some new cycling kit uh, and want some top-notch design or just their their um, high-class quality, head to map.cc uh, and you can see their full range there or their, if you're in Melbourne base, you can check out their store in North Melbourne. Today on the podcast, we've got Melbourne Football Club captain Max Gorn and SBS cycling commentator Matt Keenan to just check in on how the Giro is going, what's going on. We're talking the Monday, the evening before stage 16, which uh, mid-podcast was shortened. And we just check in about the sprinters, what's happening, the GC current situation, and all the topics that come up throughout the conversation of what's going on in Italy at the moment. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, uh, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Next time we'll be checking in uh, for uh, probably four Dolphinets at the back end of the Giro. And um, yeah, if you enjoy this episode, please let us know. We'll uh, chat to you soon. <laughs> What um just just off the top, welcome, welcome Max Gorn, welcome Matt Keenan to the podcast. Max is just uh, pushing his Lulu Lemon drink bottle into the frame as yes. as a proud ambassador. You you allowed full reign with sponsors in terms of your personal sponsors versus your club sponsors. Good question. Uh, no, there's 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 protected sponsors. Um, so the ones on the jumpers. So yeah. So, how's it work with your shoe, with your boots? Yeah, the boots is a tool of the trade. So, I dare say the same as cyclists. I oh, know because they their team uses the same bike, don't they? Um, tools of the trade. So, helmet, mouth guard, shin guard, boots. It's your. You can do whatever you want. That's your call. So, yeah. you can be sponsored by Adidas and wear Nike. Yep. If your team's sponsored by Adidas, so like Carlton sponsored by Nike, but they all, don't all wear Nike boots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're sponsored by New Balance. Who, one, they're not big on boots as well. So, in fact, I think they pulled all their boots from Australia. So, there's actually no boots here anymore. So, everyone wears something different. Um, and then I've been ASICS boots uh, and now I'm Lululemon Apparel. And uh, I, Lululemon's one of the best brands I've ever worked with. Get yourself a pair of pants, Kino. I've got the pants. <laughs> They're like tracksuit pants. They look like slacks. You can get away with murder. So, it is the equivalent to the mums at the kids' primary school yes, yes. who were wearing the active wear, but they never do anything active. <laughs> they've got the same pants on in the mornings they do at after-school pickup, but they, they're super pants. You need to get yourself some, Alex. Mm. Well, I've got, I've got their full uh, running setup, pretty much. It's, it's the business, Max. We've dedicated three minutes off the top. It's, uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about bikes. Yeah. Can I get can I get a clip of this to send to the? I will, <laughs> I, will se- I will send you a clip of this. But it's it's the same with cycling. I believe, from my understanding, with with the boots, they can most of the time wear whatever they want. And if you're um, Adam Hansen, you make your own anyway. If you're Adam yeah. Hansen, you make your own. But it's so specific. Like if, you, if you've got team shoes, you have to wear. It's pretty rare that they make you wear the shoes. You have to have the team bike, don't you? Yeah, you do. Absolutely, you do. But there was historically, say, in the 80s and the 90s and so on, where there were teams that were sponsored by a certain bike brand, but the key riders didn't necessarily ride those bikes. And I've just cost myself a couple of drinks because that was my phone that was going off. Um, What do they they paint them? Yeah. Like the tennis players with their rackets? Correct. 
Exactly. I think Andy Hampson, when he was riding for Motorola, they had the Eddie Merckx bikes, which were notoriously heavy. And he rode some sort of titanium bike that was made by somebody else. And that was the bike that he used when he was in the mountain stages at the tour. There you go. Right. There you go. Rowan, yeah. Rowan Dennis would have loved that uh, a couple of years ago when he got off his bike and didn't when want to he, ride again. Yeah. <laughs> when, he, when he was an auditioning for the discus team to go to the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, how's your, how's your days going at the moment? Doing the, doing the late shift, early shift for SBS on the Giro. Yeah, you, a- you probably watch more of the Giro than anyone in the country right now. Well, I'd hope so because I'm meant to commentate on every minute that's on the tally, Alex. Because if I dozed off in the middle, I'd be in real trouble. It's, it's night shift. So I normally leave home at around about 6, 6.30 to go into the studio, get there a couple of hours before we go on air to make sure I've done you know, my preparation and ready to rock and roll. The stage normally finishes about 1.30, 1.45. By the time I pack all my stuff up, get in the car, I normally get home around about 2.30 and then you know what it's like, particularly after you've played a game or you've done some public speaking, it's hard to wind down. So, you know, I have a bite to eat and I try and actually, I have a strategy of trying to put myself into a carbohydrate coma. Yeah, right. I have a little bit too much to eat when I get home. Smart. Yeah, and then try and keep the phone off, not look at any social media, read a book. I'm reading Yana Pittman's autobiography at the moment. Just started it. Of through chapter one, I'm ready to rock and roll. It's good so far. And then I normally turn the lights off at about... 3.45, 4 o'clock and I'm waking up at around about 10 in the morning. So just after the kids have been taken care of and gone to school, I get up and when they're ready to be put to bed, I leave home. So I'm not in the good books at the moment. How do I get that job? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still yet to be a father. Although, hot topic, uh, she is pregnant. Oh, um, f- congratulations. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, so I'll be negotiating this. Uh, some, yeah. night, <laughs> some, some, some night shift work at some point. Based on my recent experience, I'll give you some notes on what not to do. Yeah. I can't work. I haven't worked out yet what to do, but I know what's not working, Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it... Uh, well, Max, you have, you have the same issue Friday night that, uh, at Eddie had... Um, yep. how, how do you wind down after you? Marvel's the correct. Sorry, yeah. Marvel. Uh, I still call sorry, it, I just sorry. call it Docklands. Ap- so. Apologies so to the yeah. AFL. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you how do you wind down? Uh, I'm actually so I'm not too bad, but we got some horrible guys in there. Clayton Oliver hasn't slept probably since the game um, yet. Um, it's it, it it can be hard, but I'm normally quite tired, and I have a lot of caffeine during the day and just before it, so I'm normally quite cooked. By the end, that's all worn off, and I'm in a pretty deep hole, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 not too bad. I actually wake up really early, so my excitement comes back at about six a.m. and then I can't sleep again. So is it harder to get to sleep after you lose than after you win? No, early on maybe. I've yeah. I've I've come pretty uh, level-headed now, and I can just as soon as I go home, it's that's my my place of home. That's where I can relax, and I feel a whole lot more comfortable. Um, but yeah, night games. I so for example, Clay Oliver, um, he would be a five a.m. a six a.m. a. Right. Yeah. So we well, can't we can't schedule anything in as a team the next day because because of him. Well, there's a it's not just him, but there's multiple guys who would have just gone to sleep if we've got like a ten a.m. recovery. Yeah, because there's the oh, physical yeah. adrenaline that's running. There's the emotional adrenaline that's going as well. And if you've had a bad game or you've lost, I'd imagine you overanalyze things, yeah. particularly if you are younger and you're early in your career whereas if you've had a good game you've had a win you can go to bed a lot more comfortable in your own skin and i think i think for me it would be easier to get to sleep yeah i actually struggle more on a public speaking event 
Yeah, but that because that's outside your normal comfort yeah, zone. So I'm more nervous there. Yeah, so I've started playing Saturday afternoon tennis. Yeah. And if I lose, which I did again on Saturday, I struggle to get to sleep on the back of that because yeah. it's outside my comfort zone. I yeah. don't do it very often. Yeah. But I do public speaking a lot. So I've got the ability and the experience to be able to switch off from that a little better. Mm. Is uh, on the Giro, back to the, the, the schedule you got in Australia with the kids at home, with the family, what difference does it make not actually being there in terms of your performance? Being there is better in terms of your performance because you get a little bit of extra information. You, you know, have, you have to say that to make sure you get there next year, don't mm. you? <laughs> Paul Keating once said, always back self-interest. At least you know it's trying. <laughs> um, you get a little bit of extra information of what the weather is actually like. like. You can get an appreciation for how cold it is, how windy it is. You know how tricky the final approach is on a sprint in particular, what the wind direction is, whether it's a slight headwind so the sprinter should leave it late. So you get extra bits of information in that regard. Also, when you go into the commentary box, you've got all the other languages as well. So you've got the Belgians, the Danes, the French, the Dutch, the Italians, etc. And they're not competing with you. Whereas if it was all other English-speaking commentators, they're kind of competing with you. Yep. But the other nationalities, you can go and pick their brain. So yep. Lorenzo Fortunato wins the other day and we know a little bit about him from what we can find online, but that's the same stuff everybody else can find. Mm. But we go and talk at the finish line to one of the Italian journalists or the Italian commentator, you can get lots of little information about them. We can't do that when we're doing it from Australia. The upside is that on Sunday morning, I was able to go to watch under nines football, yep. watch the Heidelberg Tigers have mm. a kick around. I was able to watch the under-11s uh, St. John's netball team as well play, which you can't do when you're over there. Yep. So there's a lot to be said for that. Watch the boys go to a, another draw. Yeah. Or another equal win. Well, they don't keep score on the under-9s, but somehow they know the scores when they're winning. You always know. And the score's a lot tighter when they're losing. My son got beaten, I reckon, by about seven goals a couple of weeks ago. He said, oh, it was tight, Dad. I think we lost by eight points. <laughs> no. no, you didn't. Good on him. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> so, uh, are you, you going to get over this year? Work, no. Or, nah. SBS all year? Yeah. So, I'll be doing the tour from Sydney. So, with doing it from Sydney, you're still away from home, but it's a lot less travel days. There's no jet lag. I'll be able to take my bike up. I'll probably, you know, set that up on Zwift mainly because I'm scared of riding on the roads yep. in Sydney for, yeah, good, crazy. for good reason. And then it's just that night shift again. But it's actually easier to do the night shift pattern when you're not with your family. Yeah. Because you get a sense of guilt of the time that you're missing with the family when you're at home. But if you're not there, you're not there. So it'll be, it'll be easier to do it from Sydney than doing it from Melbourne, even though I'll miss not being around the kids and my wife. Been a bit of an easier duo to call just because there's no one-man breakaways. There's about oh. 20 in the break. You'd be loving it. How good is that? <laughs> there was one day, Max, when they've rolled out the start and two guys have rolled up the road, one from Bardiani, <laughs> one from Androni, and every commentator around the globe that was working on the event just put their hand in it. <laughs> it was just... It was, there was, but that's been about the only stinker. Yeah. The rest of them have been good. Do you like the breakaway surviving? Uh, I, I do, um, but on a stage like tonight, I, yeah. I want to see the GC light it up. We, we agree on that. Yeah. Yeah, we agree on that. I want to ask you about last night's stage. Yeah. We're recording this on, what is today? Is it Monday? We're recording Monday. this on Monday. I'm a bit thrown because the rest day is normally on Monday, but this year's Jiro, it's been yeah, on Tuesday. That was weird. It's that, thrown me around. It did throw me as well. Yeah, good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> so last night we saw a crash after about 500 meters. Yeah. And there was a break that it was a bit more than that, but there was a break then that was already established. And then the race got stopped because there wasn't enough medical support. And then 
the Quebecer Assos team, they were adamant they were going to get in the breakaway. But then they've had to stop. And then I heard an interview afterwards with their sports director and he was saying that when there was in that period where it was stopped for 20 plus minutes, he was talking to the guys and saying, okay, stay focused. Don't get distracted by that. When the flag drops, you go again. We implement exactly the same plan. What happens when you're playing football and you're the captain of the Melbourne Football Club and the game is stopped and it might take five minutes to get a player off with concussion or they might have done a knee, it's a serious injury. What happens on the ground as you get the players around and bring them together and keep them focused? Um, well, probably something similar to the Quebec boss. They actually got, it worked for them. They got a third man in the breakaway. Yeah, they only had two the first time. <laughs> yeah, so it actually worked. Um, it, it, it would be similar. So the first sort of minute or two shock, um, shock of what's happening around you and just trying to calm yourself down. Um, and then you go into your, your mode. So our midfield group would probably get together and talk about what, what we can do as soon as the next ball up happens. Um, it's almost like we get to the quarter time, half time, three quarter time, but the unexpected yeah. break is when leadership really comes in. Um, so I dare say this Quebecer boss has done really well with leadership. I'm not sure who their road captain is. It probably is Campanuts. Uh, their road captain might have been Nazolo. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not sure actually. They they don't have a standout in that role, but I imagine it would be harder for you in your role when it's one of your teammates as opposed to the opposition. You know, it would like have been, one yeah. of your players goes down. Yeah, and I'm not sure if Quebecer had someone that went down. They did. They did. Mauro Schmid, who'd yeah. won the stage in the first week, yeah. uh, but he was never planned to be the guy in the breakaway. It did seem like Bora were affected by that, didn't it? Yeah, because they lost their leader, yeah. Emmanuel Bookman. And then I thought that it might have been a day for Peter Sagan. And they shut it down. They let the break go. Yep. And it was Peter himself that was at the front and saying, that's it. Yeah, so they, they were shocked. And then if, if one of my best mates was out there, let's say Nathan Jones, someone I've played a lot of footy with, and he was in a neck brace out on the ground, then therefore that's where someone, that's where the team comes into it. That's where someone else will try and calm me down. Hmm. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting aspect. It doesn't happen much in footy. definitely doesn't happen much in cycling. Um, but a game gets stopped for a serious occasion. You've got to make sure your head's on the on the ball. Yeah, so I was impressed with their ability to keep their head on, so yep. to speak, and then go again. It was mm. impressive, Alex. And did you see Victor go off the when the flag dropped? Yeah. He was, he was going was harder than the final sprint at the end. He yeah, was, he was. Absolutely tall. And, and normally normally that doesn't work. That That is a... Uh, yeah. He's just going to drag the bunch along, but jeez, he went. So geez, we, went. at the end of it, they put together the highlights package of the stage and you see him launch the first attack. The race gets neutralized. He launches the second attack. That one goes. The breakaway forms. He attacks the breakaway, gets caught, attacks the breakaway again, and then he's coming up to the sprint finish. You put all those pieces together and you think, this guy got no chance. He's cool. <laughs> he was fantastic to see him win. But also he's been he's been taking um he's been taking the breakaway into his own hands. He's been there all all Giro. Yeah, he's been um, good. he's been spectacular. And and then for him to win that that kick, you would have you would have backed the Dutchman into the way that he was punching over those final climbs. He showed a complete lack of experience, mm. Oscar Riesbeek. He went way too early. Max, it was a rush of blood. Yep. You got to, I mean, I was backing in the guys to chase it. Katolda and Bork Mollema in the, in the break. I do, you are a fan of Mollema. You've been I backing him a little bit in your, in your WhatsApp tipping or whatever it is. A lot of bit. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been in every break, but he doesn't have the final legs, does he? He's got nothing left. <laughs> he's got nothing left. Him and George, they're, they're, they're the climbers that are in the breaks at the moment and they're not getting the job done. So mm. um, it's impressive when you're right away from climbers. Yeah. 
It was really good. But you're right about Mollema. I have been backing him. <laughs> he's been in every breakaway. He's been in too many. He needs to have a rest. But what the heartbreak for George Bennett when he was in with a chance to win that stage of the Zonkalon and he just doesn't have the petrol tickets. He's yeah. not at his best. But one of my favourite images of this year's Giro is Bennett going back down the Zonkalon and riding up with Eduardo Affini who'd done the work for him in the breakaway. How about, um, how about his words with Brambilla? Oh, that was that was red hot. <laughs> I didn't know George was a fiery customer. What? Oh yeah, he is. He's he's got white lines. Like the red mist comes down. Yeah, right. He's yeah. Which to your point, he in his uh, post post race interviews, pretty calm. It was a couple of little cheeky jabs at him, but um, when he's on the when he's on the bike, he's an animal. <laughs> uh, but but that's been that's been the treat that we've had throughout this Giro. It's just been breakaway races. If yeah, if if you need, uh, if you need a cycling and you want to learn about how to ride in a breakaway, you just watch this. Watch all the different scenarios unfold over the last um, fifteen stages. There was about there was about four stages in a row there where the break took about sixty k to get to get going. Yeah, and I, th- I I thought that was going to be the trend for the rest of the tour. Last night was phenomenal. It was it was over like that. There was ten seconds and the break was formed. But those those stages, the pe- the petrol tickets that must be going to the guys at the back of the peloton, sixty k trying to trying to keep a, keep a break, and how annoyed would you get when you think the break is gone and then one more guy attacks? That well, that, would, that's where we need like the equivalent to stump um, stump mic. Yeah, you know some of the stuff you pick <laughs> Just up to hear them from out in the cricket. You know, like Joe the cameraman said, "Can't bat, can't bowl." <laughs> yeah. Of course, it was Joe the cameraman when they've blocked the road and one little sneaky. Uh, confidence guy gets through the gap. I'd be infuriated. But it's also showing, like, I think this this is one of the things that um, I don't think you can understand from watching watching the sport on TV is how hard it is to get in the breakaway. But these stages where I think there was one where it didn't go till there was a hundred k to go. Yeah. Like, and it, then it, and it, then they got caught with four hundred meters to go. Uh-huh. That was the day that Bernal won. Couldn't Bowman got caught with four hundred meters to go. And he finished 31 seconds behind. Is that the only time the groups won apart from sprint stages? When, yeah. When Bernal caught? Yeah, it is. Hmm. And then you saw the, on the stage to the Zonkalan, you saw three guys survive out in front when Fortunato won the stage. And then Bernal was going from the group and he caught Molima. It was then Mollema and then Yates. Like, the, yeah. like they had six minutes at the bottom of the climb, and most of them got caught. We were joking about Mollema and Bennett before. They're actually both top twenty in GC just from the amount of breaks they've been in. It's a fair effort. <laughs> it is good. And Mollema went there saying, "I'm not interested in riding the general classification. I'm just going to go and try and win some stages." He also said that he hasn't been selected yet for the Olympic Games. But if the circumstances are normal and they do the right thing, I will be. <laughs> Put pressure on the selectors. Good on him. Uh, uh, the, the Australian selections came out. Richie, Richie was the main headline there. And, and Hagee? Hagee, Richie, Rowan and Camire. Yes. Camire in a quasi-track yeah. road roll. Has there been a course yeah, out there yet? The, the course is really hard. It suits a it, climber? Yeah, it's a climber's okay. course. 100%. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Richie goes because he doesn't have a great track record in one-day races. But I feel like Richie's going to ride this season with pretty much no pressure. He's had that achievement of finishing on the podium at the Tour. That has been a big release for Richie, I think. He goes to Ineos, they're looking at everybody else. I think he can ride with some real freedom and we'll see a much more relaxed Richie. And you know him way better than either of us. A relaxed Richie 
is a far more better performed Richie Port. Mm, the most successful Richie Port, yeah. as shown by last year's tour. Um, what from the inside is the Olympics still going ahead, still ticking along? As they you say? on the inside? I I, I I consider him to be on the inside. You're on the inside. Uh, yeah, the inside of what? <laughs> you're, you're, in, you're in the world. You're in the you're in the world of cycling. Official yeah, you, official media. You're getting some intel that we're not. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a hit of tennis every now and then with James Tompkins. Yes, that's good. See, that's inside. That's who's, a way in. Who's IOC? And every time I ask him, he goes, oh, yeah, 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 it's happening. So, I don't know. Well, I'm not the, buying that. The skateboarders just got pulled. Yeah. Well, there, was, there was a bunch of COVID yeah, positives for the skateboarders. Yeah, within the skateboarding team. Yeah. I want, I'm looking forward to seeing the freestyle BMX. Because I met a couple of them up in Brisbane recently and then watching their stuff on Instagram, you don't know if you've got your phone up the right way because most of the time they're up in the air <laughs> upside down. They're awesome. Yeah, it's impressive. I hope the Olympics do go ahead but if you're an Olympian, what a strange experience it would be. It's so weird. Because the big thing as a, as a kid growing up, one of the things that I loved about the Olympics was the opening ceremony and the closing ceremony yep. and the bringing all the athletes together. The athletes' village. Yeah, exactly. And... They're not going to have that experience, Max. It's going to be really strange. If it's your only Olympics, you kind of feel bad for them, don't you? It was kind of like when we played West Coast uh, in round one last year. That was pre-COVID. There was just one round and we were in an empty stadium and there was five guys debuting that day. And I was kind of like, geez, I hope this isn't their only experience of football. (laughs) Imagine that being your only match. Well, one of them, Toby Bedford, a young Melbourne player, he's played that game and a game up in Cairns where there was... About a thousand people and it was raining. So that's his two games of football. So that's he's going to get experience. a bigger crowd if he plays Heidelberg versus Montmorency. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> so um, similar. I do. I do feel for the Olympians. Like I've mm. felt for footballers playing in front of no crowds, but um, not many Olympians go to two. I dare say. I think one's the average. I yeah, would say. it would be. And Robbie McEwen talks about this eight-year window that most athletes have at best an eight-year window for where they can be at their absolute peak. And if you're lucky, that can be three Olympic cycles. But for most people, it's not. So, And if you miss your cycle, your opportunity, um, it'd be devastating, absolutely devastating. Mm. Yeah, be tough. Actually, Cam Meyer tells a great story about the food hall. So his only Olympics so far was in Beijing. And he said he was, he was lining up to get some food and there was a small Aussie guy that was behind him and then a bunch of big British guys came and pushed in and the mm-hmm. little Aussie guy chirped up. He said, hey, get to the back of the queue. And they said, we're not going to the back of the queue. He said, get to the back of the queue. I said, nah. And he bopped one of them right in the chin. He <laughs> went down like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> Welterweight boxer. Cameron, My- Cameron Myers' story is... In the food hall at the Olympic Games, somebody's going to be the... Everybody is the best at something in the world. So, be careful. <laughs> We've gone off tangent a little bit, but is, is the Olympics uh, after the Volta? No, before. So, before. it comes after the tour. After okay. the tour. So, would anyone who's going to the Olympics pull out a tour early? Is that what we're thinking? It has happened in the past. Mark Cavendish has done that. Yeah. Yeah, and then Caleb gets absolutely ribbed for abandoning the Giro after winning two stages. And then all the other sprinters have gone home now anyway after stage 13, but there's no criticism of them. Double standards. It was, it was schoolyard pile-on. And you would have experienced this in your role in the public eye. When the media builds up some momentum, when social media builds up momentum, it's hard to stop it. It is. I mean, there's more and more coming out now. I think Mitch Duncan did something on the weekend. And they, he screenshotted a lot of the posts that he got. He got about 20 people. I think he might have 
been one short of a multi or something like that. And the amount of <laughs> garbage that he was getting via social media, I'm presuming Caleb would have had some very angry Italians. Um, Tim Merlier, the El Pacino Phoenix, he left and now he's racing in a race tonight, I think. Yeah, he is. So he's, he's freshened up beautifully. <laughs> Recovered okay. <laughs> when you've got Eddie throwing criticism though at you, it's... That's the one that carries weight. That, so it's kind of No, like it doesn't. It Lee carries- Matthews in football is the one. If Lee Matthews throws something, he's the best there ever is apparently. Just yeah. ask him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Eddie Merckx... He got kicked out of the Giro because he tested positive to amphetamines. And if I was Caleb Yuln, that would be my returner serve. Yeah, they, they don't return serve with the drug chat much, the cyclists. They tend to keep it. Yeah, which is, was part of the problem with yeah. the O-Murder back Correct. in the 90s and the early 2000s, and maybe they should. Correct. Mm. So if you're going to throw stones, be careful of how much glass you've got in your house. Before we get on to the uh, sprinters, t- talking about returning serve, I'm not sure if you saw, I can't even remember the race name though, but Rob Stannard and Daryl Impey yep. going out. Did you see the final sprint? I match? saw he fell over, Rob. Fell yeah, over. Fell is, over. That, is that an understatement? Yeah, that's one way of talking. That's, that's probably one <laughs> way of describing it. He was introduced to the bitumen. Yeah. He was riding well. He was. Yeah. Um, but he returned serve when. Uh, so Daryl. Daryl's gone off his sprint line. It's, it was Daryl's fault. It's not a straight up and down sprint, yeah. but he didn't chop him. It wasn't Buhani going at it. But she's Rob Stannard ripped into him. Oh, and did he? Just while Daryl's flat. It, it was good. Yeah. It was good. But the commentators were saying that's a bad look for Rob Stannard. He shouldn't be doing that. They were all jumping to the defense of Daryl Impey, who had actually caused the fall. And Daryl wouldn't have done it deliberately, but he did cause the fall. And Rob Stannard didn't throw any punches, didn't lay hands on him. He just gave him a verbal serve. And I've watched plenty of AFL, Max, and I love it when somebody, they're doing a little bit of puncher jumping, pushing around, then someone kicks a goal and he gives a serve to his opponent on the way back. It's part of the game. Uh, They'd be former teammates. They are former teammates. And I think, I'm interested in your view on this. (laughs) As former teammates, I think Rob Stannard was more comfortable getting lippy with Daryl as a former teammate than if it wasn't a former teammate. And what about when you come up against a former teammate that's, you know, been pretty significant at the club? Uh, Jesse Hogan and I had words last last year. He's uh, one of his first games back for Fremantle up in Cairns. Uh, we lost that game and he, I think I, I didn't go hard enough in one of the contests or maybe I dropped a mark. And Jesse was the one to remind me and Jesse's had a pretty poor three years in terms of trying to get himself out in the park of injuries and whatnot and I just I just told him that I couldn't believe that he was the one that was giving me the advice but then so we were fiery but then after the game we it was more we had to make up so if I had a fight with Tex Walker on the weekend I wouldn't after the game I wouldn't try and make up but the fact that it's a past player and Jesse I was quite close with we went we went at each other and then after the game all good all good so what I find interesting is after a game, like I watched the end of yesterday's game with Port Adelaide and Collingwood. I, last, I watched the last quarter of that. And Collingwood lose by a point. And then you see the players together after the game, shaking hands, doing the right thing. It's, it's good for young kids to see. And uh, you see the, a Collingwood player, for example, having a bit of a joke and a bit of a laugh. A lot of fans get upset about that. Don't you care that you've lost yeah, by a point? They're big on that. They're big they? on that, aren't they? But nobody cares more than the athlete in any sport and for all the media scrutiny that you might get in your role I don't reckon there's anybody putting more pressure on Max Gorn than Max Gorn it's a unique time of the week when you know someone on the opposition team you haven't spoken to him all week and then in front of 40,000 people that are still at the ground with the lights on at the MCG the game's done you can talk to a high school friend or something like that it's a pretty unique moment Uh, I actually had some great on-field banter on the weekend 
Um, Tex Walker got a $2,000 fine last year for hitting me in the head. So I was going for a mark and he came with a late spoil and got me in the head. Um, and I was quite angry that day. I got targeted that day. I'm not sure if you remember the game. There was a young fellow who was targeting me all game. Um, so this year I wanted to remind Tex. So we got near each other pretty early on. I came out of a stoppage and went back to him and I was calling him like soft or whatever it was. I said, you hit me in the head. Like, and obviously a lot more words than that. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, best $2,000 I've ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, he got me there. <laughs> Good one. Did you, were you having a verbal stoush with some fun? They come with a one-liner every now and then you go... Not bad. Yeah, I, said, I, I, said, I said to him, yeah, well done. <laughs> but you, you guys, it, it seems like um, footy players are more, they, they, grow, they grew up with it. It's throughout the entire, the entire of their career. Cyclists are pretty precious. What do you mean? And I think, I think cyclists hold grudges more. They, they wouldn't shut it out after the end of the stage. I think they'll hold onto it. And even, even the way that it's presented in the, the teams, the way they communicate, I think... Um, I actively read Michelton Scott's presser after it and I was like, oh no, Rob apologised that this, these things happen and everyone's, everyone's still friends and it was, in the, in the AFL, it just seems like it's, it's hard and fast when it's on. Um, AFL is slightly different in that point one because they all went to school together in mm. AFL. Mm. They all played high school footy together. Speak like the same language. Everyone's basically Victorian and Similar cultures. School. Yeah, similar cultures where if you go European... Um, there is a language barrier there. I think the biggest difference is that in AFL or might be basketball or netball or soccer, it's two teams. Whereas in a bike race, there's 20 teams mm. or more. So, so it's, I think it's a little different. And then you're on the field of play and you're going off the ground. Whereas at a bike race, you go across the finish line and everybody's scurrying off to their buses and so on. I actually think it's more difficult to deal with after a bike race than it is after a football match. There's mm. 29 teams in there. and there nine teams at Movistar? <laughs> They're all right for themselves. <laughs> Individuals. <laughs> Very good. That's like the $2,000 that Tech spent yeah. last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sprinters, let's just touch on the, the sprint stages we've seen. Um, I think Caleb was the fastest by far. Yep. No one. We didn't get to see him and Merlier uh, in a good one-on-one genuine battle. Genuine drag race. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't. We didn't see that before they left. Caleb would have won. Yeah, but I, I, think, I think Caleb would have won. Yeah. Caleb was Caleb was world class, and and like like we talked about in the podcast we did with Jason, uh, there was no free wins. There was no Caleb delivered to the line. He, he did was, get better work in the stage where Gavilia went early. Yeah, uh, he had, yeah. What? Who's the boost? boost? Yeah, he was fantastic, yeah. and he was caught on the front a long way out, and he was really patient, and he made sure that Caleb didn't end up drifting too far back in the group. Yeah. But he he was really good, Jesper De Boost. And interesting, De Boost and Kluger are both out of the Giro as well. They'll be recovering for the tour, yeah. but that doesn't get any coverage. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> they they don't need a bus anymore, do they? No, no, no. <laughs> they're in a Tarago. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they don't even need, don't even need a Tarago. Merlier, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Caleb, early doors. Uh, the team butchered the stage. They were he was way, sliding back and back and way, back, way way yeah. out the back. But geez, Merlier took that opportunity like you've never seen. Just grasped it, took it on, and crunched that that final sprint. I'm slowly becoming an Alperson Phoenix man. I yeah. like what their team's about because. You thought of them at this time last year as a one-man team. Correct. But they're not anymore. And they Sure, they got second in last night's stage, but they had two guys in the breakaway. They've been really active. 
they're not a world tour team, but they're racing better than some of the world tour teams. Yeah. And do you the, think? Okay, so just on that with Matthew Vanderpool, mm. he's not at the Giro, but his presence is felt within the team. I reckon that has a bit of an influence on the vibe within the team, even when he's not there. I saw a I saw a team list when I was going through who's in the early team list for the tour, and Vanderpool was written down on their tour team. Yeah, great. Uh, and that would, therefore, there'd be no boring breakaway given 15 minutes because Elpis and Phoenix will go for every stage win yep. they can and that'll light the tour up. Mm. Absolutely light. And then they'll have, I think Jasper Phillipson is their sprinter going to the tour as well. So then they've got their sprinter there as well. Yeah, you think, you think they're good. one um, inspired by what um, Vanderpol does, but also when they see an opportunity of a team sheet without him on it going, oh, oh this is my I one can chance. Actually, I can actually win something here. <laughs> I'm not just carrying yeah. water bottles today. Yeah. Have, have you had anything to do with them? This the, te- the team itself? Like, no. I don't know anything about them. Are they not Dutch? They're Belgian. Belgian. Yeah. And no, I've had no interaction with them at all because they've only really grown in the last two years to this level. And I haven't been in Europe since March of last year because yep. of COVID. Mm. So I've had no interaction with them. But if I was Canyon and I was sponsoring that team, I'd be pretty happy because I'd be able to do one ad with one guy. Yep. You put Van Der Poel on the road bike, on the mountain bike, on the cross bike. He, what I want him to do, he needs to ride the Dutch National Track Championships just to ride the points race or the scratch race because he'd win it. And then he's won in just about every discipline. Maybe he just needs to get on a BMX as well. Pretty cool. <laughs> he's on a Zwift ad, isn't he? Yeah, he's on a Zwift ad as he's well. A Zwift yeah. Yeah. Where, where I think they do that exact same thing. They show Based him on all the, the on yeah, the three dis- the yeah. disciplines. Uh, the what, what do you make of Grunewagen? Grunewagen. Yeah, that's interesting. Question, interesting. He he wasn't um, out of the mix. Yeah. It wasn't like he was non-existent, but he was. He was racing the Italian Tier 2 sprinters. So we were speaking to Jason about this as well, Kino. Yeah. You, can, you can help out here. It's, it's the sprinters, the ones that are winning, like Cavity's best and Caleb. It's the instinct, that last little bit of instinct that's getting them in the wind, not, not the speed. So I'm sure Gruner's, Gruner's like I know him, Grunerwagen, yeah. <laughs> Grunerwagen's getting unbelievable uh, gym numbers yeah. and uh, Wattbuck numbers or whatever he's doing, Zwift, Zwift numbers. But it's that last little bit of instinct that he's probably missing that it might take a while. He's second, he would be second-guessing himself because yeah. he hasn't been in the environment for a while. And the great Dutch sprintman, sprinter, John Paul Van Poppel, he won the green jersey back in the 80s. I interviewed him once about it. And I said, what's going through your mind in the last couple of kilometres on a sprint finish stage? He said, when my form's not good, everything. When my form's yeah. great, nothing. Yeah. And I think at the moment, Grunewagen is thinking Whereas Caleb, particularly on the second stage win that Caleb took, he didn't think, he just trusted his judgment and yep. he went with it. And I'm sure that if you've had a stint out in football with injury, same thing. you second guess yourself a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the deal with Dylan Grunewagen. And I'm happy to see him back. He's done but, his time. But a good start. Yeah. I think a, a rock solid start. A, a win would have been exceptional. Yeah. A win would have been exceptional. Well, he could, get, he could have got one if he stuck around. If uh, Well, if, yeah. if he played... Um, yeah, Viviani's game of just hang on as long as I can. <laughs> can we talk about Viviani? Someone, Viviani or Gabilio is going to get a win at a default in stage. Is it stage 18? <laughs> well, the, let's, the, let's, the sprint let's stage? Talk, let's talk about Cofidis as a, as a squad. Yep. They've um, got a win. They've got a win. Yes. That is humongous for a team that's been dry for, I don't know, how long have they been out of a Grand Tour win now? Years. Oh, they yes. had a win at the Vuelta a few years ago. They haven't had a win at the Tour since 2008. 
And it was interesting, the stat going around about, this is your first win at the Giro d'Italia for 12 years. They went 10 years without riding it though. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone forgot that yeah, part. Right. But so to Viviani, so Victor Lefay wins a stage for that team. But Viviani's been hired as the sprinter to win stages and he hasn't won. So I think that team management would be really happy. Most of the other guys on the team that are involved in the lead out for Viviani would be really happy. It would take the pressure on them. But I think that it would actually increase the pressure on Viviani because he was yeah. hired to win. What, what's your take on quick step sprinters that leave? They don't seem to have... Is it, is it purely the, the, the train of quick step? Yes. Yeah. It's the train and it's the, it's the confidence that comes with it. So particularly when you've got Michael Morkov or Merku doing the lead out for you, yep. you could put a blindfold on and yep. just do what he tells you to do. He should be paid more than the sprinter just about. And he's recently just extended his contract by two years. So Bennett's leaving though? Yeah, not by Bennett's choice. Okay. Yeah, so, and I think he might end up back at Bora. That's the rumor. He yeah. might end up back there because Peter Sagan is leaving. And it'll be really interesting to see how he performs when he leaves Quick Step. Yeah. Because everybody, everyone else, is no one has left Quick Step and improved. Mm. So who's the sprinter at Quick Step? They're backing in the one of the other two of Cav or uh, what's the. Jakobsen, Fabio Jakobsen. Yeah, but they're also they're investing hugely in Evenepoel. They've signed him for yep. five years. It's the longest contract they've given anybody. Belgium team, Quick Step has extended their sponsorship deal as well. Yep. And for the first time, Patrick Lefebvre. He's going, we've got a guy for the GC and we're going we're gonna to back him. Mm. It, on a, just a separate note, his voicemail message, mm. you ring Patrick Lefebvre, which I've done once and it went to voicemail and it just says, Lefebvre! <laughs> and then you leave your message. <laughs> he's brutal. Uh, on Viviana, he's up for contract this year too. Yeah, apparently he might be going to Iolo. Interesting. Yeah, so they... Because it's um, something to do with internet. They want fast speed internet so that they should get well, the they should get someone. Yeah, they, they should, should get, get someone fast. Solo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's. Um, I imagine that's going to be a big pay cut for him, and it's going to be. It's t- it's time he has to reinvigorate his career. It, yeah. it, you you don't. I don't want Viviani to go out of his cycling career on that contract on his two years of Cofidis. No, um, he won't. If you do you know him, if you. He is potentially a candidate for the world's nicest guy. Mm. He's unbelievably nice. I've heard guy. him speak. I've heard him answer questions before, and he speaks really nicely. Oh, yeah. he's fantastic! I got like I was lucky enough to do an interview with him at the Tour Down Under, and he said, "Oh, I'm sorry, my English is not very good." I said, "Way better than my Italian," <laughs> and nobody else is going to understand that anyway. And then I had about I had to interview him for 15 minutes. I reckon I asked him three questions. Like, he was sensational. And then he was apologetic afterwards that his English wasn't that good. His English was fantastic. He's a super nice guy. I really want to see him win. Uh, where's Peter Sagan going? Just going way off topic. Don't know, but it'll come with a huge pay check and Specialized will be with him. Do you, um, do you think it's worth the money now? Not like it used to be. Not like it used to be. What I used to find interesting watching footballers is... They seem to get paid more each year as they were getting older and yep. based on sometimes what they had done, not what they can do. And back at Quickstep, Patrick Lefebvre says, I don't care what you've done. I'm going to pay you for what we think you can do. Yep. Um, and I think that Peter Sagan will get a haircut on his pay packet. Mm-hmm. I um, I'd Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys have watched, probably watched a little bit more cycling than me. Uh, Sagan, has he been in the bunch sprint with Van Aert or Van Der Poel before? No. So we're all we are all riding Sagan off, thinking that these two guys have come and rejuvenated what Sagan has done, 
and now there's no sprinter can get over a couple of climbs as these two uh, absolute jets. But if Sagan got over the climbs with them, I dare say he's still probably the favourite, isn't he? It'd be even. I want to. I want to see that. Well, it could be the tour. Hopefully, the tour. Hopefully, the tour. And Max, I know you're a big. I know you're a big one on um, the ageism that we just continually write these guys off as they get old. And the the stage that he won, he was good. Yeah, he His was. team was class A, and geez, I love. I love it when he delivers for his squad because his squad's always good, and he. Um, I think you'll get some fans in. If that's a battle, if that's a three-way battle, Van Aert, Van Der Poel and Sagan, Sagan will be the one that people will want. They mm-hmm. always fall to the veteran. The age the age guy is the one they want. Yeah, yeah. they and, do. And everyone knows him. He's been around for so long yep. and he's he's Peter Sagan. What's, Peter Sagan. what's not to love? Yes. What's exactly. not to love? I do have an email. I've just received an email about the changes to the course for today's day. So it is raining? It's it's snow at the top. Yeah, right. Um, so it's gone from being three climbs that went above 2,000 metres to just now one climb that goes above 2,000 metres. So they go over the Paso Jao, which takes them to 2,233 metres above sea level. And then it's a huge descent down to the finish line. So that has just been announced around about 45 minutes ago. And the stage is you know, an hour away from starting. So instead of having three dangerous descents, they'll do one massively dangerous descent <laughs> to the finish line. <laughs> oh, so it finishes into the, yeah. on the downhill. Yeah. Wow. I tell you. If- There's been some, oh God, uncomfortable descents to watch on TV. Just these wet, slippery rows. Um, Did you get scared? I get scared. I'm yeah. like, the way, um, the way, especially the breakaway, when they've got nothing to lose, and they're yeah, just what about throwing. when you were racing? Oh, I think nah, I, did no I did I pass you going down Buffalo? Yeah, I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I think I'd want to. I'd, I'm I'm a, I'm 120 kg, <laughs> 20 kegs. Max, did I pass you going up Buffalo? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I definitely started first going up Buffalo and finished about 15th. That's all that matters, there right? Was, and there was probably no. 16 riders. <laughs> and I got, beaten, I got beaten by a 70-year-old up, up Buffalo. How fit was he? Yeah, he? I, To be fair, I was scared of Buffalo and rode within myself. And then the last 2K, I said, oh, I've got is, a bit to give here. And then that, I, isn't that frustrating? Yeah, then I had a bit of a sprint to finish. I'm like, that's disappointing. I should have rode that harder. It is mm. the most beautiful climb in Australia. That's the best climb I've ever done. Yeah. And Hamish was good. Hamish is a good cyclist. He's getting better and better and better. His Zwift numbers, uh, he's not on Zwift, but he's, uh, well, his indoor platform, indoor platform uh, uh, incredible. He's, he's got, he pushes some good watts. Okay. I'm not riding with him again. Yeah. He's now that we all know that he's a good rider, we got to treat him with a bit more respect. Yeah. Treat him with a bit more respect. Put him on the front before the climb. He's stuck on your group for a bit there up Stanley, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we've gone on. This is Hamish Blake. Hamish Blake, yes. Yeah, this was the hunger ride. So it was a ride for what was the name of the organisation? The hunger, yeah. They feed people that don't have enough money to put food on the table. Really yeah. important ride, hunger ride. It was called. It was good. And I got the to food ride, bank, Victoria. I got to ride with Kino for was it two seconds? <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, Max. I liked it. Yeah, after his big year on the Zwift too, yeah, so he's, he's in good nick. He's, he's in good nick. COVID did my did my power numbers. You know, I was fresh off Mad Monday. <laughs> That's right. To get him while he was vulnerable, Alex. <laughs> so who else do we want to talk about? Um, you, the sprinters are done. I think the sprinters are done. Yeah. Be, the other, the Wrapped other, to see Nitzolo yeah, win after 11 second thing. place yeah. finishes. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of like, you know, Collingwood winning in 1990. Yeah. It's so many runners up medals and then to actually win, I was wrapped for him to get that yep. victory. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Would you, do you need to go at any time? Uh, 
No, I'm okay for now. You're up for time as well. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing the duro tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the GC. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone would argue with us in saying that we we talked about the the top two tier one GC guys, Yates, Bernal, um, in our preview, and they they've been what we expected, what I expected. Um, the the change though is that Yates has been quiet, nice and quiet, yep. just thereabouts, not doing anything too special compared to his um, previous GC campaigns where he's been on the front foot and hunting, hunting time. Bernal's been hunting time. We're heading into the last week of the Giro. We've got big stages to come. Could this be Yates's time to? That's a great setup. Mm. Yeah, do you reckon he's doing it? Do you reckon Yates is playing differently to his 2019, was it, or 18? 18. He's been forced to. He said that he was a little unwell in the first week. Okay. But he wouldn't actually provide any details on that. Um, but if I had to put money on it, if I had to put my house on it, it'd be on Bernal. Confidently putting your house on it? I'll put your house on. It. <laughs> <laughs> the top, the the top two aside, I've, I reckon there's a lot in this in the tour. Mm-hmm. They seem to ride for third, third to ninth place, like it's first sometimes. It yeah, doesn't this, seem I know like the going. Giro's got a bit about that. No, that's a really good question. In fact, you look at the top two at the moment: Yates and Bernal. For Simon Yates, he doesn't have to do anything ridiculous and take a massive risk. But for him to race for second or third is there's no value in yep. that because he's won the Vuelta. He's won a Grand Tour in the past. But Damiano Caruso, he's normally at the service of others yep. and he was meant to be here working for Mikael Lander and his best result in Grand Tours has kind of been like ninth and 10th. So for him to finish third as an Italian in the Giro is enormous. So I'm not expecting him to take a big risk. So he yep. will potentially ride conservatively. Vlasov is in fourth at the moment. He's only six seconds behind third place. I think he'll be prepared to take a few risks. Yates will, but Caruso is the only one where I see real value in riding conservatively. So if a, if a Hugh Carphy goes up the road, will Astana ride to bring him back? They shouldn't. They shouldn't. No. So there's not that 54th that's, type battle. No, well, that's what really annoyed me on the stage yeah. of the Zonkalan. When Astana were riding on the front all day long, Ineos would have been rubbing their hands together. <laughs> They're doing our job. Let Take the risk. Don't worry about winning the stage. Take the risk of letting somebody else do the work and try and wear Ineos out. And it mightn't wear them out on that day. It mightn't wear them out on the next day. Yep. But on the third day in the mountains, they'll pay the price. Yep. And that's when you're trying to exploit it. It's like three short balls and a Yorker. Yep. You've just got to chip away at it. And besides um, Bernal being exceptional, his team has been exceptional. Yeah, uh, Moscon, Ghana, like they've they've been doing so much work into those runnings. I reckon Filippo Ghana could turn his hand to just about any sport in the world. Yeah, surely he's got a good wicket as well, doesn't he? He'd be getting paid Cash. some good money. He'd you'd have think. to. I don't think he'd go to that team on a no. small salary. But what? It, yeah, he, whatever he's on, he's worth every cent because he can do just about everything. Well, they lost their number one man, Sivakov. Uh, mm. Well, their number one man to help Bernal and mm. Navarez has just jumped straight in and probably going to finish top five in the GC now. Yeah, <laughs> so where would they be with Sivakov in there as oh. well? It's The salary cap works. Yeah. And like, they are, you know, oh, my 
they're just so strong. They've got so much depth. They've got so much money to spend. It's not all about money, but it does help when you can buy the best talent. I did think they were going to get a run for their money at the start of the Giro, and I still think I was onto something with Lander, Caruso, and Bill Bauer. Now, I thought that if was Bahrain a had a team, if they were able to stay up and yep. have Tratnik and Mahoric, it, it, it could have been something. Yeah, mm. it still can be. They can it can still go pear shaped, but the challenge from those guys that you just mentioned is a stronger challenge than the one from Nick Schiltz and Simon Yates. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that is that is the question too around uh, the squad that Bike Exchange accept, assembled. I loved it. It was one of the favourite squads that I've, they've ever brought to a Grand Tour because there was one guy. Yeah, there wasn't these second, third, fourth tier options, but the squad that they uh, assembled was stacked towards them having the pink jersey in the first three days. It's got... Schultz has been climbing out of his skin. He's been awesome. Uh, it's been one of their... One of their domestics hasn't been climbing out of his skin. Mikel Niev. He's yeah. Been, yeah I haven't he's seen been a little or, yeah. or is he... Is he on the... Is he on the program that Yates is going to start to... Okay. Start to really build a, into this last week. They had a fella on GC, the Estonian. Uh, uh, Tanel Kanga. Yeah. He was up there in GC early on. Yeah. It'd be interesting. They have to... You know, it's all it's all on Yates. He has to be patient, and he can just chip away at that that one twenty. And then when it comes to that final individual time trial, I think Bernal and and Yates will be pretty even, and it mm. will come down to who's got the most petrol tickets. Would you have your, your ear to the ground there? Would they be comfortable? Uh, it's uh, Contador summed it up really well once. Yeah. He said, "When you're in front, it never feels like enough. When you're behind, the gap looks enormous." Yep. So they wouldn't be super comfortable, that but uh, they wouldn't be surprised with where they're at. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, Schultze just just want to acknowledge that that point again. Yeah. Like he he has transformed himself in such Schultze fashion. Nothing's quick, nothing short term. Everything just like just slowly, gradually builds and builds mm. and builds. Um, and now now he's around those those kind of last man in the mountain climbers in terms of where he's at at the GC is the general gauge as to where he's sitting uh, overall. I yeah. always thought it was quite weird. When a domestique holds on for GC time, and Bill Bow and Caruso were—they're actually—they do it every tour they're ever they're ever ever in. It's worked for Caruso this time, but Schultz seems to be hang, he gets dropped as the last domestique for Yatesy, but then he holds on. He's he's just—I think he's trying to slip into the top ten, <laughs> just see, just secretly get in there, which is totally different to what you see um, Mikhail Kwiatkowski do. Yeah, but mm. when he, he stops, stops. he <laughs> he stops. But Nick Schultz is cycling's equivalent to a footballer that is a mature age draft pick that makes good. Yeah, right. Like he was never selected in junior national teams. He couldn't quite make the cut for the under twenty three development program in Italy. Went about it his own way, and he's he's a really good story. Mm. Where our boy Lucas is the number one draft pick that they've just yep. put all their eggs in and hoping that he hundred <laughs> percent hoping he's he coming. Is, he's the number one yep. draft pick. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, well, that that's what we've got got to look forward to over the next couple of months to see how he's run into the tour is. Um, there's a bit of eggs in that basket. There's, there's bit, Yates, Chavez, and Lucas. There's, uh, there's, uh, eggs there's a in whole that lot basket. of Stanley Street social in the <laughs> Lucas Hamilton basket. <laughs> we're, we're not biased. We're, we're completely winner. neutral. Completely neutral over here. You know, there's um, no team called us or them when you're in commentary. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, especially in a professional outfit like this. Um, we touched on Vlasov a little bit. His his team is obviously willing to lay it down like they showed on the Zonkalan stage. Me and Max were talking a little bit off air. We just don't know if he's really got it. He just hasn't got that punch or that that 
that little bit extra that it seems like I believe that Yates has, that yeah. Yates could potentially use. He's about four or five years younger than Yates as mm. well. See, I, I thought when Vlasov was first coming on the stage, he had, he, didn't he do some stuff in some one days with him and Fulzang and George Bennett were away on one of the stages, uh, one of the one day classics. In Lombardia. And he had a bit of punch. Yeah. And I was thinking he was going to bring punch to his GC stuff. Yeah. He just doesn't seem to have it on there. The Giro is a whole nother ballpark yeah. though. He's been really good in like one week tours, um, those one dayers. Grand Tours is... That's I'm looking step. forward to seeing how all these guys that we talk about, Yates and Vlasov and so on and Caruso, even Bilbao, and those guys go at over 2,000 metres. Yeah. Because all these guys, they go away to an altitude camp. Egan Bernal goes home. Yeah. <laughs> he goes home to Colombia, hangs out with his family and that's an altitude camp. He'll be fine at altitude. I think this could be a day where he puts more time into them. And if a guy like Yates, Vlasov and Caruso can get through and defend themselves and not lose any time, that's a good result today. Mm. Break or GC tonight? GC. I think GC as well. But I reckon it'll be a bigger GC group than what, what we think. Uh, Bill Bow on the descent will be interesting. There's, if he's there with Caruso, he's, those guys from the Basque Country... They were born in the rain yep. and slippery roads. You've been there. You've yeah. been to Spain. You know what it's like over there. And they've got exceptional skills in those conditions. There's a crazy Frenchman I wouldn't ride off as well. Bardet. Roman Bardet. If he, gets up, if he gets up that hill. He does enjoy it. Yeah. Um, questions or anything else yep. on the GC before I'll, we... Uh, if the break gets away tonight, I'd like to chuck in a little tip. Uh, not a random Italian sprinter this time. Uh, Rudy Mollard. Oh, that's the good. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. You know the you know the only guy that hasn't been in a breakaway so far of note, Thomas De Gent. It's bizarre, isn't it? Especially when there's only three in their team, and two of them were in the break yesterday. <laughs> it wasn't him. <laughs> yeah, that, he's that, actually. I follow a lot of cycling on Twitter. In fact, the only thing I'm on Twitter for is to basically follow cycling. It's hard when you follow a non-mainstream sport. You have to use Twitter to yeah. be able to follow it. And Thomas DeGuin's quite vocal on it. He's actually a very good tweeter. He's and funny, isn't he? he? Anyone who tips him as the favourite for the stages, he replies and says, nah, mate, I'm not, I'm not getting in the break today. I don't know where you're getting your, your stats from. Don't waste money on that. <laughs> do, you, do you just get on profiles sometimes and just wind people up on your, on your Twitter profile and just start? No. I imagine, do you, do you, every you time you do, open yeah. the app, do you have tweets? Yeah, there's a lot. Post-game, there's a lot. And I, apparently, I did some stuff in the game on the weekend that lost us the game I didn't realise I did but I went back to Twitter and worked out that I did apparently mm. um, so yeah I've, I've got a strict rule that I've lived by for a long time that I don't reply to anything yeah. apart from obviously friends so insta DMs and tweets that I don't know the person I'm not I, good or bad I'm just not replying because I reply to the good I'll end up replying to the bad and it gets mm. me in a bad way mm. and it impacts on your mood and there's yep. I saw a great post once from Morgan Freeman which I've applied to how I interact with social media don't take criticism from anybody you wouldn't take advice from and that coming from Morgan Freeman that's not bad for me. It'd be better if you put on his voice, as you said. Oh, that'd yeah. be sick. <laughs> I can't so, do a Morgan Freeman. I can do a Dutch cyclist, but I can't do a Morgan Freeman. So I don't spend any time tweeting these two, but if you send the Stanley Street Social tweet, I'll reply Correct. to anything. Correct. Okay. Correct. Good, bad, negative. This is the appropriate way to be able to reply to them. Exactly. Well, so on, on, just starting off the questions, we can tick off about half of them with one question. TT Daily, um, Mark O'Brien... Pumpstagram, 
There was one other as well. They just all want to know about Maxi's boy Tracknick and if he's still the man. <laughs> you were on so him called, so hard, pre. I knew there was going to be a surprise in the opening TT because uh, our favourites in Filippo Garner and there was another one. Weren't going extremely well, TT. And I actually had some notes. And Afini was one of my ones that I thought. But I went with Tratnik in the end. And Tratnik let me down. But he rode an unbelievable ride the other day in the when Consador's man. Well, uh, yeah, when they won. Um, Tratnik will be thereabouts. There's a, there's a stage coming that's got his name on, especially lower numbers. And I don't think he's much help for Caruso in the hills. So he, he might was, as well. He was awesome on the Zonkalan. On that. I assume we saw the Contador video. Mm. It was Oscar award winning. I reckon that was a replay hammed up. Oh, I just did not enjoy that at all. It was so over the top. And I reckon Lance Armstrong on his podcast will have a field day with it. Do you, it, it just felt like um, that was Alberto just trying to make sure that everyone knew that that yeah. was his guy. Yeah, it felt a little over the top for me. Whereas there was an interview after the stage one by Victor Kampenatz with their sports director, Art Verhooten, who was talking about what they were doing when the crash had happened and so on. And that is just, it's raw and it's genuine and it, the emotion comes out and he explains what they were doing. It actually made the hair stand up on my arms. It was a beautiful interview. Mm. Quebec are doing good things, aren't they? They're doing great things. They're doing yeah. unbelievable things. So to all those that are worried out there, Max is still on Tracknet. And, uh, Tracknet will do something. I'm a massive Bahrain Merida man at the moment. Bahrain Merida. Victorious. Purely Bahrain Victorious. Yeah, what yeah. a bold name. Yeah. <laughs> Purely because of the way they race. Um, I've um, I, I love the way they race, and they, they, they if Lander was here, like I said before, it would have been a different story for them. So they'll do something. The only the only rider that hasn't done something for them is the is the Japanese rider in there still. Arashiro, but yeah. somebody's got to carry water bottles. Correct. Mm. So he's still riding, <laughs> doing that job. Yeah. Um, we've all kind of touched on this a little bit from WD Samson. Can Nick Schultz or George Bennett reach the top ten uh, from us watching down under? Bennett can't. Schultz can. I agree with that. But, uh, a few more days in the breakaway, he could bump himself up to. Uh, so tenth is at tenth is Foss, the young yep. uh, from Norwegian, Visma, Norwegian from Yumbo Visma, who's actually riding quite well. But that's the Almeida, who might be now a GC person. He might try and go on a break and get some time as well. So they're the guys. Yeah, he'll be off the leash, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw an interview saying Evan Pohl said stop being my domestic now. Yeah. Off you go. So Knox and Almeida will probably be a chance tonight. Yep. Mm. Yep. And yeah, look out, Peloton quick steps coming. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if you've ridden this climb, Maxi, but a question from Jeff saying, what's harder as a, a big boy, the AFL preseason or the Zonkaland? Uh, I haven't done the Zonkaland yet. Um, and I don't think it's going to be on my to-do list. I can't. Jeez, uh, it, is it 20%? 27 near the top. <laughs> you've done the Tourmalade. I've done the Tourmalade. And that, I think that's peak at... 16? 16. So 16 actually, bit? you know what, Alex? People underestimate the professionalism in AFL football. Hmm. How many hours do you train a week? Uh, yeah, we're, well, we're full-time. Um, pre-season, you know, out there, oh, four hours a day for four of those days. So about six, 16 hours a week, you'd be yep. out there in terms of running. Yeah, yep. and then when you're at home, you, I imagine knowing you and knowing your wife, you'll be doing plenty of the... The stuff that doesn't require talent, the little one percenters, all the right stretching, the core strength work, the extra stuff. People completely underestimate the professionalism in AFL football. It's a yeah, it's a it's a full time gig, and to be the best and get to the best, you have to obviously do what no one else is doing, and most people are doing a lot. Yep. So to go to that next level, it, 
it is time consuming can be hard sometimes you're beating your head against the wall thinking why am i doing this yeah and it is the whether we you know whether we like it or not it is the premier sport in australia it's got nrl covered Hmm. Yeah, it's a, we're a Victorian bias, but yeah, we are. But and uh, but slightly, and yep. I think as Victorians, we often underestimate the NRL as well. Yeah, they're not just a bunch of beefheads that go to the gym and get big and strong. There is they're a lot of them, sk- yeah, but they've got, they got <laughs> for everyone. There, there is some smart. There's an exception to it. There's well. an exception to every rule. But yeah, I think to make it to the top level in any sport takes a huge amount of discipline. I I'm going to return the favour to Kino Sport now. This is this is nice. I did jumped in a stage with the with the Mitchelton boys for the Volta. Yeah, um, and I just saw what goes into a stage, and nutrition wise, AFL are nowhere near what cyclists are at. Yeah, like their ability, and I get AFL. There's so many more things that can happen in a game of football, and you can be unfit and still win a game of football. But in cycling, it's all about your fitness. So I get there's that thing, but we have this like oh carbo the night before, but if you always have spaghetti bolognese, have it, even though there's this other food that I think you go better, but you stick with your superstition. If a cyclist said that, like it's you're having this meal at 11 o'clock and then at 11.10 you're having this gel and then at 11.30 you're having this. I, I was amazed by that. So professionalism of a cyclist in terms of health and fitness is at a different level to where football is at. Yeah, yeah the, the attention to detail on that stuff because yeah. it is all about the engine, so to speak. Yeah. And it's treated like a Formula One engine. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know what it's like now with the um, the rich European history within the teams, but especially the ones that the French, the Italian teams. It used to be one of the biggest shocks, though, when an Australian would come from a pretty high tech environment, even at even at the the national scene, and they go to Italy and are like, "Well, you eat pasta before your meal." No, they've That's caught up. It. Hmm. Otherwise, they were going to get left behind. I'm presuming Italians would have been still a lazy glass of red because it makes me feel comfortable before my race, like something <laughs> like that. Um, next question. We 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 have talked on the um, Impy Stannard issue, but Mad Martis asks: Should there be sprinting lanes? No. No thanks. That's what swimming and athletics are for. We don't, we don't need sprinting lanes. A, a, quite, a pretty big question here from the Cycling Emporium. What effect do you think COVID, the COVID pandemic will have on the generation of under 19 to 23 Aussies? Of the Aussies and the Kiwis and anybody in the US or Africa will be more heavily impacted by it than the Europeans because they're not getting the opportunity to go overseas, race junior world championships, race then going into the under-23 category and so on, uh, it will have a much bigger impact on that generation from those countries as opposed to the Europeans. I don't think it will affect the Europeans at all, but it will Aussies, absolutely. Is there anything that can replace it in Australia? There's nothing. Well, Jay Vine replaced it last year by winning the Zwift Academy and Neve Bradbury as well. They happen to win the Zwift Academy to get spots, yep. but that's a you know that's one male, one female. Yep. Uh, what I do like is the national team have... They're doing like a camp for the under-19s that would have been selected for the Junior World Championships. But it's, it's, it's pretty hard. And particularly now when you're seeing a guy wins the Tour de France at 21. So there's this higher expectation that you need to get a pro contract at 21. But Robbie McKeown didn't ride his first pro race till he was 25. I think Simon Gerrans was around about the same age as well. But there's an expectation that you would have felt it, that if you hadn't made it by the end of the under-23s, then it was time to come home and get a proper job. Mm. Yep. So there's a lot of pressure 
be on those ones that are 19, 20 now, and I, I've got some empathy for them. And it's not just that you feel it, it's that the opportunities dry up. The teams, a lot of the teams run till they're 20, you turn 23. Too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Geographically, we are, although we are in a good COVID situation, we don't have the infrastructure and the races that they have over there. So I feel for any world sport, uh, world athlete that's playing, uh, that's Australian-based, mm. um, rugby union, uh, soccer, anyone who's looking to go elsewhere with their soccer career. Yeah, it'd be really uh, hard. On yeah. that, was it weird playing in empty stadiums last year? Uh, the West Coast one was, yeah, the first one. Um, to be fair... Once we got in the hub, we were in front of crowds. So Sydney and Queensland were able to have crowds. Yeah. So there was a West Coast one, and then we came back from the COVID and played two MCG empty stadium games, and they weren't as weird as the West Coast one. West Coast one just seemed real weird. That was the first one. Their emergencies were in the crowd, and they were making a lot of noise as well. <laughs> so you could probably hear, <laughs> you could hear every word. They were booing one of our players, which is quite funny. Like, it's an opposition player booing one of our players. <laughs> <laughs> that's normally the reserve of a middle-aged bloke that never made it in local football. Correct. One last question from uh, Kieran, who's been creative on, on the Twitter. Who's gonna be Max's kiss of death for the last week? Is that implying that I give someone the kiss of death when I when I when I chuck out a tip? Maybe. Um, normally, normally your tip's pretty accurate. Yeah, normally I get a little roughy. Um, I famously but, but let's, tip. Let's 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 talk. There's normally someone that drops off a cliff oh, in yes, the last yes, week yes. of the Giro. Like it's it's the tour where people yeah, go. I normally disappear. come at someone at CCC, but now there's no CCC. Um, we've had gonna, to. Who's going to fall off a cliff? I reckon. Rem Remco, lock that in. Mm. Max said it, not me. Lock it in. <laughs> I think Remco. As soon as there was that moment where he was on the gravel and he ripped his earpiece out, that was it. Yeah, it's a bit like throwing the phone down on the yeah. interchange bench. You yeah. didn't want to hear what the team had to say at that point. I actually think you might be right. Yeah, it's his first time doing a three-week race. He hasn't raced for nine months. Huge injury to come back from. There's a few cracks starting to appear. And he's 21 years old. He's the second youngest guy in the race. It's a pretty fair call. I hope we do see Ineos crack at some point. I at least want to see Bernal isolated. Yeah, tonight was going to excite me because there was a couple of climbs before the last climb, but now it's all one big climb. I thought they could have... Uh, some teams put some pressure on and get Garner out early and get the Italian... What's the big Italian name? Moscon. Uh, the other one, Puccio? Puccio. Puccio. But get what it might do, having just the one big climb... It's less intimidating, whereas three big climbs, I think it sends people into their shell. Yeah, Whereas right. maybe with the one big climb instead of three, they say, okay, let's throw everything at it. Mm. We're going to back you on your own if you do get isolated. Let's have a go. Because mm. really, they can get him down to Justin Navarez pretty quickly if someone just went hell for lever up front. They could. Can't be Bahrain. Probably can't be uh, Mitchelton. Because we need Nick, to, Nick yeah. Schultz to finish in the, in the top 10. We need Schultz in the top 10. Unless Mikel's been playing... Playing this long maybe, game, <laughs> maybe he's just been just resting the legs, sitting pretty. They could be onto something. Yeah. Um. Any other any other smokies for the last week? Uh, no, not really. Not really any smokies. I do like the young Norwegian I was talking about before in Foss. I think he's. Mm. I think he's a talent. Um. That's that's really it. I reckon there might be a stage win. Potentially for Rudy Mollard somewhere. That's the one I can see as Smokey. He was mm-hmm. riding for. I'd never heard of the FDJ. I've, I, 
I was telling Alex, I was I was a bit of a nerd about this Giro. I knew a yeah. lot about a lot of riders. Yeah. Never heard of the guy who wore the pink jersey for four days. Until a Volta. Yeah. yeah. I really let myself down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know much about him before yeah. the Giro either. Yeah. I like I I did my research before it and I had a look at a few of his results and so on. But oh, that was a, it's been a big performance and he's still hanging in there. Mm. I thought Rudy, a good story. I thought Rudy Mollard and, and Rashenbach was there were their only two guys of any sort of name and then I I, I saw heard this Volta fella. Yeah. And he's you know, he's not, again he's only twenty two. I like the fact that he's from a country where he's the first guy from that country to wear the leader's jersey yep. and he's hoping that he inspires the next generation. His dad was a pro cyclist, rode with an Italian team and has been a coach of national junior programs and so on. And it's good for, for cycling to continue that global spread. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And are we tipping a Quebec a fourth win somewhere? Oh, don't be greedy. There, there must be big energy there though. There must be big Is energy. Is there a climber on their team? No. Pot- it was Domenico Pozzovivo, but he's out. To, yeah. Cam- to Campbell's disappointment. Time trial well again. Yeah. <laughs> He's done something incredible to his time <laughs> trial technique. He now can't he can't miss top tens. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Well, BMC. BMC it is. Um, thanks, Matt. It's been fun. Enjoy your call tonight. Yeah, I will. I'm looking forward to thanks it. For, thanks for getting a little bit more time behind the microphone. Yeah. I'm just a warm-up act. Just a warm-up It's act. like stretching before the game. Yeah. If Bardet makes it in the main group, over the climb and there's no breakaway think of me I will because he'll put the brakes away <laughs> he'll take every risk hey, good luck for the rest of the season thank you it's been a good start yeah. uh, we got your boys the other day your thump which was good yeah. it wasn't a thumping it was how close. far off are the Carlton uh, extremely talented list like like when you, I've been hearing that for four <laughs> years <laughs> sorry I can't believe I said that <laughs> oh when my you, god he's talking <laughs> Alex <laughs> is talking in cliches <laughs> he's been straight down the line with cycling he's thrown someone under the bus this one's a bolter and he's come to footy and he, when you, seriously when you go through so the, the captain's run day we do a captain's run meeting day before the game uh, and you go through Carlton's 22 you sit there and go this is going to be a tough game okay um and then we got out there and it felt a little bit comfortable, especially in the last quarter. We we sort of uh, got away from it. But Mackay's a talent. Cripps, talent. Doc, Doherty, talent. How good is Walsh? Walsh, yeah, we tagged him. Yeah, we I sent, reckon he's our sent, best player at the moment. We sent Harmsy to him. I actually made a big song and dance about that at the first centre bounce. I said, Cripper, he's not coming to you, mate. He's going to the best mid. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> that is great. Can we finish on that? That's awesome. <laughs> we got to finish on that note. Thank you very much to you both for your time. We'll um, Thanks, talk soon. Alex.